Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode 16 of Quick Cuts, a plastic surgery podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing liposuction, so let's get started. And we'll start by describing the procedure of liposuction itself, which involves the suction-assisted aspiration of fat cells, or adipocytes. The essential components of liposuction include a cannula and a source of suction. Suction can either be generated manually using a syringe or via a powered vacuum. There are also a variety of handpieces and cannulas available for liposuction. Suction-assisted liposuction, sometimes referred to as manual liposuction, describes liposuction at its most basic form. This involves the surgeon manually passing the cannula in and out of the target region to mechanically evulse and aspirate fat cells. One downside to this technique, particularly when you're harvesting larger volumes, is surgeon fatigue. Common adjuncts to reduce fatigue include power-assisted liposuction, which involves a vibrating cannula reducing the work required by the surgeon, as well as ultrasound-assisted liposuction, which uses ultrasonic waves to liquefy fat prior to aspiration. Other adjuncts that have been described include laser-assisted liposuction, radiofrequency-assisted liposuction, and water-assisted liposuction. Most liposuction techniques typically involve injecting tumescent, or wetting fluid, into the anatomic area you intend to treat prior to suction. Tumescent solutions can vary in their exact constitution, but generally consist of a mixture of a crystalloid fluid, like saline or lactated ringers, a vasoconstrictor, which is most commonly epinephrine, and local anesthetic. As you might imagine from its components, the intent of tumescent fluid is to limit blood loss and pain associated with the procedure. Many surgeons will actually describe liposuction relative to the amount of tumescent fluid used. Dry liposuction describes liposuction in which no tumescent fluid is used. This procedure has largely been abandoned, however, as up to half of the lipoaspirate will consist of blood with this technique. Wet liposuction describes infiltrating 200 to 300 cc's of tumescent fluid into the target anatomic region. With this technique, somewhere between 4 and 30% of the lipoaspirate will consist of blood. Super wet liposuction uses 1 cc of tumescent fluid for every 1 cc of planned lipoaspirate and reduces the blood loss to approximately 1% of the lipoaspirate. Tumescent liposuction uses 2 to 3 cc's of tumescent for every 1 cc of planned aspirate and similarly produces a blood loss of about 1% of the lipoaspirate. We'll talk next about the evaluation and management of the liposuction patient. In addition to a general medical history, you should specifically assess for venous thromboembolism risk factors. You should also ask the patient about any significant weight changes as well as their weight stability. You should define the patient's goals and be sure to set realistic expectations as to what can and cannot be accomplished with liposuction. It's important to counsel the patient that although liposuction can produce lasting results, Weight gain by the patient can compromise these outcomes. On physical exam, you should assess skin quality and elasticity. Doing so can help you determine whether or not you would expect skin to contract after the liposuction. For patients with significant amounts of excess skin or skin laxity, direct excision of skin may need to be combined with the liposuction procedure. You should also assess for the presence and depth of the fat. In the abdomen in particular, you should distinguish between subcutaneous fat, which can be addressed by liposuction, and intra-abdominal fat, which cannot. When examining the abdomen, it's also important to assess for hernias or scars from prior surgery, as these areas can carry higher risk for injury to vital structures such as bowel, 
while performing liposuction. When determining your treatment plan for the patient, the operative setting is another important consideration. Although liposuction is commonly performed as an outpatient procedure, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons has outlined certain parameters that, if met, should lead you to strongly consider an overnight stay. These include cases with planned total lipoaspirate of greater than 5,000 cc's or those that last longer than 6 hours. Postoperative management of the liposuction patient should include careful postoperative fluid management. Many surgeons will also use compression garments postoperatively. In regards to complications, contour irregularity is the most commonly encountered complication. Fluid overload from inappropriate fluid resuscitation is also possible. For cases in which tumescent fluid includes lidocaine, local anesthetic toxicity is a possibility. Existing evidence supports the safety of lidocaine in tumescent fluid in amounts as high as 55 mg per kilogram. However, current recommendations supported by the ASPS encourage amounts no greater than 35 mg per kilogram. Symptoms of lidocaine toxicity include perioral numbness, tinnitus, shivering, seizure, coma, and cardiovascular arrest. Systemic symptoms from local anesthetic toxicity should be treated with IV administration of lipid emulsion. Other complications of liposuction include, but are not limited to, seroma, hematoma, and infection. And that ends our discussion on liposuction. Hope you guys are continuing to enjoy the podcast. Feel free to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can find my entire audio library along with other great online resources at theplasticsfella.com. For questions, suggestions, or feedback about the podcast, you can reach me at jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at jakemarksmd. Thanks for listening. See you next time.